You're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Do you want to speak with confidence and authority, have more influence, and get bigger and better results? Whether you're a top executive, an entrepreneur, or climbing the career ladder, this is the show for you. A leader who wants to inspire others and leave a lasting legacy. Now here's your host, world-renowned TEDx speaker, author, and executive communication coach, Dr. Laura Sokola. Welcome to the podcast, Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, your host, founder of Vocal Impact Productions, and author of Speaking to Influence, Mastering Your Leadership Voice. I am so excited about my guest today because she's someone whose services I have been using for a number of years now, and I never thought I'd have the opportunity to have her on the show. My guest today is Leslie Pyle, founder and CEO of a fabulous organization known as HireMyMom.com. Leslie, welcome to the show today. Thank you, Laura. It's wonderful to be here with you. So rather than me telling everybody why I've been working with your company for X amount of time, tell us first, what is your 30-second elevator pitch? I'll let you do the intro, and then I'll chime in and let people know how I connected with it. Okay, wonderful. So as they say, necessity is the mother of invention. And when I started out on my career, I had just graduated with my master's degree in PR and marketing, and I had very high aspirations of what I was going to do with that degree. However, motherhood had another plan for me. I got pregnant shortly after that and just realized I could not leave her every day in daycare. So this was 25 years ago. And I was like, okay, how can I work from home when no one else does? And how can I make that work as a freelancer? So that began my journey of working from home. And in that, I quickly started a website for moms because there was no Facebook or anything like that back then. I started a community-based website back in 1996 called Home-Based Working Moms. And it was like a virtual chamber of commerce for moms to connect and network and support each other. And from that, as the acceptance became more widely acceptable to work from home, I decided to transition that into HireMyMom.com, which is a service connecting small businesses, entrepreneurs, coaches, to remote employees who have chosen to work remotely rather than on-site in an office. And that's amazing that not only did you build this platform, but you were really a pioneer in this space. The notion of giving working moms an opportunity to to decide their own fate, right? To decide their own career, their own opportunity, their own schedule to say, I want to work, I want to earn, but I also want the flexibility to be able to take care of my family, pick them up and drop them off from school, to run errands when I need to run errands, to set my own hours, be my own boss and make my own decisions, just have total control over my own life to the extent that any of us, let's face it, really have control over our own lives. And you made it happen before it was popular. And let's face it, way before the (laughs) pandemic kicked in and everybody was scrambling to find the same kind of integration, if not balance, in work life. So a kudos for being such a trailblazer and there's so much further in advance, literally decades before this became vogue. And I stumbled upon it a couple of years ago when simply I realized I needed a new bookkeeper. And I don't need a full-time accounting department for my consulting company. So I figured, all right, let me find a contractor who can be here when I need her or him to be here. And in looking around, I I forget who mentioned it to me, but I heard about this website called HireMyMom.com. And I thought that is so beautifully self-explanatory that this is, Mm -hmm. you know, for women. And um, I don't know if you have men now who are also part of this site. We actually do. They're very much a minority, but we don't restrict it to only mothers. It's just primarily our marketing to moms. Sure, sure. The idea that these are 
contractors who are freelancers, but this is something that everybody has in common, that they are all, or most likely, all parents mm-hmm. who also want to have careers at their own by their own rules, right. by their own rules. Yes. Of source. I think that's great. And for what it's worth, I've been working with my bookkeeper now for about two years, like I said, and she's fabulous. Absolutely love her. That's in my experience. I'll put it that way. So very excited when I got an opportunity to meet you and that you agreed to be on the show today. So with all that now, what's your favorite part of your job and why? I have two favorite parts. Number one, obviously, I first identified as a mom with that struggle and that need because I loved what I did, but I wanted that flexibility. You have hit the nail on the head. That's flexibility and freedom. I was committed to my work, but I didn't want to leave a baby or children. You know, I went on to have three children and one stepchild. I didn't want to have to choose one or the other. And I know some people do it beautifully as a full-time working mom outside the home. And I love that because that's what works and what's best for them, but it wasn't for me. So I love having the opportunity to help moms figure out how to work from home. But I also, as a small business owner, love being able, like you needed a bookkeeper, helping them find great talent without looking for a full-time employee or someone that's you know way too expensive. So a lot of times, not always with the job market we're in right now, but a lot of times you can get someone to work remotely for you for less than if you hired them on site, you're not paying benefits, they're wanting the flexibility and freedom. So they may take a you know less paying job for that reason. So it's a really, to me, it's a win-win because I love helping moms, but I also as a small business owner, love helping them find great talent. Yes. Yes. And, and it actually touched me even more because when I was in the search, I mean, I am a mom myself and my son at the time was very little. He was probably, I guess, three. And so just the idea of understanding what that integration takes and and wanting that balance. I love being able to work for myself as well. And it was great to be able to get the services that I needed, but also know that you're supporting other women who are looking to have that balance for themselves. So right. whether they're single moms or not is you know irrelevant as far as the, the quality, of course, of what they can produce, but just knowing that you can help support that particular community was just a nice little feel-good check Yes, and without sacrificing quality. So I thought that was really terrific. Right. Now, what's happening in the industry, in the online world, in your space that you're really excited about? And how do you need to talk to different stakeholders about it? How does it change your messaging? Well, obviously you touched on it a minute ago with COVID that all, all of a sudden had more businesses or almost all businesses looking for ways to work remotely. That was a way that we really got to rise up in our publicity as sort of an expert in this area on remote teams and that sort of thing. So that's been you know something new for us. And the second part of your question, I've already forgotten what you asked to me. Well, so now that I guess if you want to use that context that COVID has made it that much more necessary for people to have that flexibility, how do you communicate to different stakeholders about the changes that are coming up? Right. As I've mentioned, we have two separate audiences. So talking to our small business audiences, I obviously talk more business communications to them. And then to the mom market, you know, it's like you can let your hair down a little bit more because you're talking to a mom. You're not necessarily talking to the business owner at that specific time. Maybe you're talking to the mom or the, you know, sometimes they are business owners as well. So our messaging is a little bit different depending on which audience we're talking to. So as far as the, when you say the moms, you're referencing the actual contractors themselves, the service providers who are coming on as the freelancers. Yes. And so did I hear you correctly that you are 
often when you speak with them one-on-one or perhaps in groups, I don't know if you do groups of sorts, but that you can connect with them more from the mom to mom, as opposed to business owner to business owner, even though of course they're professionals and they're running their own business of one of sorts, but you're talking more about that. What is different? I shouldn't make the assumptions, but what is different in the nature of the messaging when you're talking to that group of the service providers, the freelancers versus the the clientele, the business owners who are posting jobs or looking for those contractors? Right. Well, one distinction is for the job seeker side, sometimes they are working directly for a company as an employee or other times they're their own business owner and they're a contractor. But in general, when we speak to the businesses, it's a little bit higher level communication because they're business owners, sometimes, you know, very experienced business owners. Sometimes they're, you know, a little bit more entry level. On the flip side, the moms are typically more geared towards being an an employee or a freelancer and not necessarily a business owner. And what are the business owners? How does it change the way that you address them or the kind of, obviously, posting a job versus posting a profile of sorts is different content. But what do you feel like the business owners need to hear from you that's different or the way that they need you to show up? Probably, you know, they're looking more for how can I get the most bang for my buck as far as my job post, wording it correctly. What are some, you know, pay ranges that these specific roles charge? And then on the flip side, the moms, a lot of times are wanting to know, should I get training in this area? Do you provide coaching? Where can I get coaching? And things like that. So that kind of leads into another part of your question, I think, about you know other services that we might offer them. And that is because of the needs coming in for training with coaching and helping them be a better candidate or a better business owner and sort of a mastermind context where you can ask questions to different business owners is something that I think is Mm. unique to our platform. Interesting. Interesting. And in doing all this communication wise, what is something that you're really good at? What's a skill that you've developed really well? And what do you wish you were better at? Yes. So I don't know that I've worked on developing this. I think it's just one of those God-giving traits that I have Mm -hmm. is empathy. And I feel like a lot of times when someone's telling me or explaining a problem, I have the ability to empathize with them, even if it's not a problem or a circumstance that I've personally had. I just feel like it's easy for me to identify in that situation and either offer, you know, grace or recommendations, whatever fits that specific thing. So I think, you know, showing people grace, showing people empathy, identifying with them is something that I have innate. And then something that I'm not so good at and that I always say, here, honey, you handle this when it's not business related (laughs) is conflict. Mm. So if there's some kind of ugly mess, let's say, you know, a business did us wrong or something, I'm like, that's your department. Why don't you go and handle that conflict? Because he is one of those people that doesn't mind a conflict. And I like, let's just be friends and make peace. So that's definitely not one of my strong suits. So when it is business oriented, now that's interesting because obviously you own your own business and much as we'd love to think that there are never conflicts anywhere, of course, that's never the case in reality. So when you do have to address conflict in a work relationship, how do you deal with it? I usually try, like I said before, put myself in their shoes and empathize with whatever their problem or the conflict is. 
maybe it was something related to a candidate that applied or whatever. So we listen to them and make sure that we acknowledge what happened and what's wrong. And then what steps can we do to make it right? If possible, you can't always make everybody happy. And I've learned that, you know, you can make some people happy some of the time, but you can't make all people happy all the time. So I just know, I and I tell myself that if this person isn't happy at the end of it, then we're just not the right fit platform for you. We do our best to provide a great service, but if it doesn't fit your expectations for one reason or another, I wish you well. Sure. And and sometimes it's okay. You know, we often small business owners feel like they have to accept all prospective clients Mm -hmm. as clientele. And sometimes it really isn't the right fit. And you need to recognize when that doesn't, when it's not a good match. Otherwise, most people end up being unhappy, but it's never a conversation you look forward to, to certainly not one that I look forward to. And I've had to do that a couple of times where they want to use our small business concierge service. And in the initial discussion, there are things that tell me right away that it's not a good fit. And I remember one particular client that kept trying to convince me that it was a good fit. And I said, but it's really not. (laughs) We had to go back and forth several times. I was like, these are the reasons why we're not a good fit. You know, whether I don't, it's been a few years. I don't remember the exact circumstance, but you know, it's hard to say no to, you know, money or a client, but you have to understand what your, you know, gifts, strengths, and mission is for your business. And if they don't align with that, then they're going to be better served somewhere else. Sure, sure. It's hard to tell people this. You're looking for X. Completely understand that. We don't really do X. You know, we we could sort of do it, but that's really not our wheelhouse. And exactly, you know, that's tough to say no to because mm-hmm. when it's something you feasibly could do, but right. what's in the best interest of the client? And is it working with you or somebody else? There's mm-hmm. plenty of times when I'll refer to others as well. So now, what about role models? Who's somebody that you admire as a communication role model, and why? I love that question. So I had to think about that. And I said, the first person that comes to mind is Kaylee McEnany. And probably one of the reasons is because when I was studying for my master's in PR, one of the courses that we had to take or one of the assignments we had was to role play as a press secretary. So I think I identify or see myself in that role, you know, just for fun. And so when I would watch her respond with grace and grit to tough questions, and I could tell she was probably sweating bullets underneath, but she most of the time, you know, was tough, but her delivery and her communication was with grace. She was very articulate, very prepared. I just admired that even though she had that big binder, she knew where to go. And she was just really good at answering questions and not avoiding them. I would imagine that short of having somebody literally point a gun at your head, being a presidential press secretary would be one of the most stressful communications jobs out there. And so I agree, regardless of who you are up there representing, you got to be a really good verbal tap dancer to to move on that one and do it without showing that you're sweating, regardless (laughs) of how badly your knees are shaking behind the podium. 100%. So This brings us to the Listener 24-Hour Influence Challenge. So, Leslie, this is an opportunity for you to speak directly to our listeners and challenge them to take one step that they can complete within 24 hours to have more influence. How would you like to challenge our listeners today? I would like to challenge your listeners to be more authentic and more real with their audience, whatever that looks like and however they are communicating now. And it might be doing a short live on Instagram or Facebook or whichever platform you are most used to using and just 
sort of letting your hair down and letting them see who you are outside of your business. I've learned, and I'm trying to incorporate this myself, that people want to do business with who they know, like, and trust. And when they get to know more about you as a person versus a business owner, they're more likely to feel like they've got a connection to you. Okay, so to do a live video on some social media platform to allow them to see the real you, not the scripted you, not the this or the that, just to talk and let them feel connected with you. So it could be a one minute video, it could be a five minute conversation, it could be something, but post it live. Right. Or if you can't get yourself to do it live, at least record it and post it. You know, if you feel like, okay, I need to start smaller because that's a little bit scary do a video and then post it or write it out and post it, lead yourself up to the point where you feel more comfortable doing the live. I just think ultimately, if you can get more real with your audience, it's going to benefit you and your business. Agreed. Agreed. You don't need to do a half hour radio show or podcast or something along those lines. Just have a little conversation. Say hello. Yes. Say hello to them. Put it in a video on your website or on your LinkedIn, on your Facebook, anywhere you like. I think that's great. Get used to video. And of course, you know, a little plug shameless on my end. Of course, if you're looking to get better at being on camera, at being on a video in general, whether it's for these kinds of videos or for your meetings, of course, you can always go to virtualinfluence.today to take a look at my course on that. I didn't tee that up for Leslie to offer, but it It works. Seems like an opportunity there. It does. It does. So in case anybody hasn't checked it out yet, you can go take a look there. Now, we've talked about successes and what you've done effectively. What about mistakes, Leslie? What's a communication-related mistake that you've made? I can talk. (laughs) I think the one that I most often make is wanting to respond without listening fully. Mm. Even though I consider myself a pretty good listener, there are times when I start hearing someone talk and I think I know the answer before they finished talking. Mm. And so I want to offer that great solution. And then when they finished, I'm like, oh, well, that didn't quite fit. Right. So I need to kind of backpedal a little bit, let you finish and then see if my solution is the best fit or if I have a different solution or idea or encouragement for that person. Can you give an example of a, of a situation where you kind of jump the gun? The first one that came to mind was a friend telling me a story about her son and what he had done. And I thought, okay, as a mom, as a parent, I've had kids that did this and that, that they shouldn't have done. So I jumped to tell her what to do. And it had absolutely nothing to do with the circumstance at hand. It just sounded like it was going to fit. So that just happened recently. So it was the first one to come to mind. So it reminded me, you know, you've got two ears, one mouth. So listen twice as much as you speak. Yes. Yeah. It's a very common uh, piece of advice that for as often as we hear it, we, at least I personally don't heed it as well as I should. So now what about virtual influence for you and your team overall? How has your virtual and really your clientele or anybody else, because everything that you do, all of your clients, both on the business side and on the Meaning the business side, as far as the businesses who are posting jobs, et cetera, and seeking the contractors, as well as the freelancers who are looking for those opportunities. Everybody's on virtual, everybody's online of sorts, but how has it changed over the last year or so, year and a half now that everybody's on virtual all the time? How has it improved? How have people gotten better at this so far as you've seen? As far as the virtual influence? Mm -hmm. I think sharing more real life stories, I've seen a lot more of that. I think people are looking for authenticity and vulnerability and not 
pretty polished people all the time. I think there's a place for that and a time for that because nobody wants to do business with a sloppy person. Yeah. But I don't think they set their expectations to, you know, have everything perfect all the time. When you show that human side of you, I think as a small business owner, I just did last week because I'm working on this myself, being more real and authentic because I always thought, well, they don't want to see that. That's boring. That's not interesting. That's like sloppy or whatever. But I did just a funny post last week on something and got more engagement than I've gotten on some of the other posts. And so it showed me again, you know, we've got some beautiful imagery in our Instagram feed, but just me talking about a silly thing, you know, people were like, oh, I've done something silly or just laugh with me. Right. And seeing that human side, that's a lot of fun. <laughs> yes. And what is something that you think would help people on either side of the equation for your world to be even more effective, more successful, or more confident on video? I think just practice. Practice makes perfect. And the more you do it, I think the more comfortable you get with it. And realizing that, again, people aren't looking for perfection. They're looking for realness. So instead of like studying every detail about it, do your best and look back and say, okay, where can I improve? Or do I just need to like get some training and build that confidence with a coach before I step into that, you know, depending on where you're at and what your comfort level is. But I think just not letting fear or some type of mindset hold you back is key. And, you know, knowing what is it that it's going to take for me to go the next step? Is it confidence or is it skill training or is it something else? And then getting that, doing that. And what was it for you? Has it, which if any, or what combination of those factors have been things that you've been able to improve on over time? I think both. I like to listen to podcasts like yourself and learn from experts and say, okay, here's a spot where I can improve myself. You know, I've gotten rusty in PR and marketing because it's not something I do every day as a business owner. And so learning from others, whether that's podcast books or paying a coach, and then also practicing, you know, just getting in front of a camera and talking and realizing that they're not looking for perfection. If I make a mistake, it's okay. I can pick up and move on to the next question or the next thing. Yeah. And I think getting comfortable with the imperfection of being on camera is something that so many people struggle with. And we're having these conversations live. These aren't scripted. There's, I mean, look, there's some common questions that we ask, but it's nevertheless something that we, I flub, I'll have to occasionally reshoot an introduction if I completely stumble on my own tongue. But you know what? It happens. And people really want to see the flubs. I can't tell you how many times I've run a virtual training and just something will go wrong with the Zoom or my audio won't connect or something's happening or it cuts out in the middle. And at the end, when we debrief, especially if I'm doing a training on how to be effective in the virtual world, at the end, we'll debrief and talk about what were the big takeaways, what was most valuable today. Mm -hmm. And inevitably, somebody says, actually, I'm so glad you had that screw up in the middle. I'm so glad that your Wi-Fi conked out or that this happened or that that happened because it was useful for me to watch you pitch your way out of it. It was great for me to see that and to see, A, that you're human too. It was Mm -hmm. nice to see, but also to see that okay, you don't have to crumble up and die of shame if there's something that comes across as less than perfect in the moment. You just regroup and keep moving and it's okay. It sort of gives people the permission to be human and not to have to be some Stepford wife of sorts. And I was going to say that exact same thing. It gives people permission to make mistakes and know that it's okay. And nobody's looking for, I hope nobody's looking for perfection because they won't find it in me or anyone, you know, that I'm associated with. So, and there was one other thing. Can't remember. 
it'll probably come back to you as soon as we're done with the, <laughs> with the conversation. That's usually how it works. Now, we talked a little bit earlier about those having those hard conversations like with clients who or prospects who you realize aren't a good fit, et cetera. But what's an example of a time when you had to initiate a difficult conversation or share bad news of some sort? How did you handle it and how did it go? Yeah. So this one isn't business related. It's parenting related, but it was a difficult circumstance. And I, you know, thought about the letting someone go and I thought that's very common. So let me share this one because it was a really hard time. So it was my daughter who was a senior in high school at the time. She was leaving to go to school that morning driving. And as she left our street, still in our residential area, she had a water bottle that she was going to reach back and grab. And as she did, oh, no. you know, the steering wheel went with her as a you know young driver, which caused her to mow over a big brick mailbox and it exploded, oh. which told me that she was probably going faster than she should have been. So there were two difficult conversations, one with her and what that meant for her and her vehicle, and then to the neighbor. So she was okay, I take it, first and foremost. She was not physically hurt. Okay, good. She wasn't hurt. Yeah, sorry, I should have clarified that. She was not hurt. Her car was hurt very badly, (laughs) lots of damage to it, and the mailbox was completely obliterated. So the lesson I wanted her to learn And the difficult conversation came from what if that had been a child in the street or in that driveway? And so don't know if this is right or wrong. Parenting experts may not agree, but we had her draw a picture of what that would have looked like if it included children. And that was very impactful to all of us. But I wanted her to really take driving seriously, you know, distracted driving cell phones, wasn't even a cell phone. And so that was a difficult conversation and then taking the car away and then having her pay for it. All of that was a really hard, difficult conversation, but then also going to the neighbor and explaining Mm. what happened and having her talk to the neighbor and her clean up the mess and her commit to paying for the rebuild of that giant mailbox. So those, like I said, it wasn't necessarily conflict, which I don't like, but it was a difficult conversation, probably because it included the heartstrings of a mom and, you know, not wanting to, you know, do things that are hard for your kids, but knowing that you're hoping that it's really going to invest in their growth and impact change for the future. Yes. Yes. And I'm, I'm guessing that's a conversation and an experience that has stuck with her and yes. hopefully had very good influence on her since then. I think she's a much more careful driver. Yes. Oh, I will bet she is. And uh, <laughs> I, my own son, when he was 18, turned and smacked a mailbox when he was trying to back up and not realizing where things were going. So there seems to be something about 18 year olds and mailboxes. Yes. It's just... Uh, <laughs> much better, but he's definitely a lot more careful now. He's like, I've been humbled. Yes. I never thought it would happen to me. Okay. I, he said, it took me down a peg or two. Right. So I think uh, just thank God I was in that box. I'm <laughs> yes. right there with you. Yes. So speaking of that 18 year old world, let's put it that way. Let's give some advice, perhaps not driving related to future <laughs> generations. But if you were asked to give the commencement address at a high school graduation ceremony, what advice would you give the graduates, regardless of whether or not they're going to go to college, what kind of career mm-hmm. or, or trade they, they aspire to? What's the one thing they have to do to be successful? For me, I would say discover what you're passionate about. I always encourage people, don't follow a career path just because you'll make a lot of money. Follow a career path, whether that's college or tech school or no school. Maybe it's you know some kind of trade but something that you're passionate about and something that when you wake up in the morning, you're excited to do. 
And when I started my business, I thought I would only do this until my kids got in, you know, kindergarten and I didn't have any children at home. Well, guess what? I found that I was very passionate about it. And I look forward to getting up and doing what I do. And it's not, you know, of course, making money is great because we all have bills to pay and we all want to take a vacation and do fun things. So making money is also great, but doing it because you love it and you're passionate about it and you're really fully invested in what you're doing, I think makes a huge difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and finding that passion is great. Sometimes, you know, we have to take a a job we may not love necessarily right for the first couple of minutes out right. of school or so. I, I remember there was, even when I finished graduate school, before I launched my first consulting company, I was looking at faculty positions and, and in the social sciences. And I was a little dismayed, let's say, to hear what the typical starting salaries were for <laughs> new professors in social sciences. And uh, it was painfully lower than I had anticipated. And my motto became, I was never motivated by money until you told me I couldn't have any. (laughs) It's like, okay, so apparently something else is going to have to be done. And that's, you know, when you found the opportunity to make the money and find the passion that I think that's the the real key to happiness when you can eat and smile at the same time. It's, it's a nice way to get out of bed, isn't it? Exactly. Yes. I agree. That's funny. So Leslie, now my, my last invitation to you, is there anything that you'd like to give our audience today? Yes, I would love whether they've heard about Hire My Mom or not to give us a try, whether you're looking to hire someone for your team or you're looking to get hired. We have a 25% off coupon for job seekers and for businesses who would like to post a job. And the coupon code is 25 off for you. And the number 25 and the number four are, are numerical and the rest are words. So 25 off for you. That's our coupon code. Thank you so much. That's so incredibly generous. And we will, of course, put all of this in the show notes. So, you know, whether you are a freelancer who wants to advertise to other potential businesses, this is a great platform to do. And of course, if you are a business who is looking for freelancers to do some contract work, either way, go find that beautiful match there at HireMyMom.com. Leslie, this is probably a relatively self-explanatory answer, but how can people learn more about you and HireMyMom.com? Yeah, absolutely. So in addition to the website, you can find us on LinkedIn at Hire My Mom, um, Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram, all at Hire My Mom. Terrific. And of course, we'll put that in the show notes as well, although it is spelled pretty much like it sounds. So it makes it nice and easy. Thank you so much for sharing your experience and of course, your generous gift with our audience today. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. And to all of our listeners out there, thank you as always for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode if you haven't done so yet. And don't forget to give us a five-star rating on iTunes so we can help even more people increase their confidence, presence, and influence. And finally, if you want to download my free guide to equipment recommendations for virtual influence, including my picks for microphones, lights, and more, go to speakingtoinfluence.com. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, and you're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Laura Sicola, and I want to sincerely thank you for listening to the Speaking to Influence podcast. If you love listening to these episodes as much as I love bringing them to you, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And please go to iTunes right now to rate and review our podcast in order to help us expand our reach so even more people can master the three C's to command the room, connect with the audience, and close the deal. Thanks for listening to Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite, the show for leaders who want to speak with impact. 
The hosts, producers, owners, and media distributors of the show make no guarantees that the strategies and information discussed will result in profit or other success and may result in losses. The opinions and statements of the hosts and guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the owners, staff, managers, broadcasters, or sponsors of the show. No medical or psychological therapy or personal or professional wellness or relationship advice is offered in the show. You are advised to seek counsel on matters related to your health, family, relationships, job, or other business and legal matters from licensed advisors in those areas prior to making any changes in business or lifestyle. No information provided may be suitable in your situation. As always, take responsibility for the decisions and actions you take, including the reactions they may make in your work, family, health, and life.